the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, a secret society that started to practice magic, the occult, and paranormal based on the teachings of the cipher manuscripts. But disagreements and infighting led to its dissolution. Today, we'll talk about some of the practices and how they were associated with the infamous Aleister Crowley. Some of the key figures associated with the secret society, why Aleister Crowley was banned from Italy, and their lasting legacy. Next, on Technically a Conversation. you're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? I am doing grand. How are you doing? Doing great. Good. Did you hear what happened at the Oscars on Sunday? I did not. I'm just kidding, of course. I feel like even dead people know about what happened at the Oscars. I know. It's super exciting. Zack Snyder won not one, but two Oscar <laughs> fan favorite moments for Zack Snyder's Justice League and Army of the Dead. He is the GOAT. Congratulations, boss. That is pretty awesome. I like how you teased into that. It's not what I was thinking at all. <laughs> uh, everybody's tired of hearing about the Will Smith thing, so. Dude, everybody was tired of hearing it. Like, the next day, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's way too much. I agree. Quick reminder about our contest before we get started. If you enjoy our show, take two minutes to leave us a review. If you've already written us a review, steal your coworker's phone when they go on break, <laughs> subscribe to our podcast, and leave us a review from their Apple Podcast account. To quote Drake, they'll thank you later. I promise. <laughs> what should they do again, Isela? I'm not entirely sure if I should be advising about stealing any type of mobile devices, but I will say, <laughs> please definitely leave us a favorable review and it'll only take a short amount of time. Take a quick screenshot, send it to our socials. You'll find all the deets at technicallyaconversation.com. That's right. And we'll read it on the show. And once you get 25 reviews, you'll be in a drawing for a sexy, technically a conversation t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So again, check out technicallyaconversation.com for all the deets or just check the show notes. Yes. And to those of you that have already left us a review, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Indeed, yes. So quick shout out to the queens, Elena and Erica and the Duke, Stephen B. The trifecta. Thank you, guys. You guys are freaking awesome. Thank you for sharing our posts on your social media. And helping us spread the word. Yes, you guys are always making a big difference for us. With all that out of the way, ready to get started? Yes, I am definitely ready to get started. Great. Let's get started. So Isela, do you believe in magic? And I hope you do. <laughs> You'll always have a friend wearing big red shoes. Is that the way it goes? Oh my God. <laughs> How was I singing this entire time? <laughs> oh, the McDonald's version at least. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I do enjoy seeing magic, but knowing that magic is all trickery, you know, just like fast hand moves, and I've seen the books, 
um, you know, sleight of hand stuff. And David Blaine, I feel like he sold his soul to the devil. He's like a whole other, like something else. But yeah, I, I enjoy watching the trickery. Have you ever been in a secret society before? <laughs> I always wanted to be. <laughs> I don't know if that counts for anything. <laughs> Do you believe in Ozzy Osbourne? Yes, he's uh, a person for sure. I've seen him. Why? This is weird how these are all going to tie together. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Oh, okay. Do you know what all these things have in common? Um, I know he would do some really weird shit, but I blamed it on the drugs. Is it because he was in a secret society? I'll give you a hint. Mr. Crowley, what went on in your head? So I've been wanting to do an episode on Aleister Crawley for some time now, and I probably still will. But in this episode, I want to focus on the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, or the Golden Dawn as it's commonly referred to. It's the magical society probably most closely associated with Aleister Crawley. Oh. So I know that you've been watching Pennyworth, <laughs> but I'm not sure if you got to the episodes with Aleister Crawley yet. I have not yet, no. Okay. Are you familiar with... The Golden Dawn or Aleister Crawley, for that matter? I have not. I didn't even know that that song was based on a real person. It is. We're going to find out about him. Dropping all kinds of knowledge nuggets here. And I think that once you get to the episodes with Aleister Crawley on Pennyworth, you're going to enjoy them a little bit more now that you have a little bit of background on him. Yeah. Oh, cool. So today we're going to be talking about who the Golden Dawn was, who Aleister Crawley was, and how he became involved with them and who some of the most prominent members of the society were, and their legacy. All right. As with all our episodes, all our sources will be in the show notes. The following is from a grunge article titled, The True Story of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, by S. Flanagan. The Golden Dawn started as a secret society in London in 1887. Their purpose was to practice magic and study the occult and paranormal. Since Victorian England was predominantly Christian and puritanical at that time, and their activities would have surely caused a scandal, this was done in secrecy. According to Alison Butler in her book, Victorian Occultism and the Making of Modern Magic, all sorts of respectable men and women were dabbling in dubious pastimes such as ritual magic and attempting to communicate with the dead. Some of their motivations for practicing magic were their desires to communicate with angels, interplanetary travel, mystical healing, and on rare occasion, causing harm to others. They were also curious about the mystical aspect of human existence and the forces at work in the world. By no means were they the only magical society at the time. People all across Britain were joining magical societies to gain access to their individual divine beings by following ancient wisdom that they believed was passed down over centuries in occult sources. Oh, wow. Other groups such as the Freemasons and Theosophical Societies also sought out to further develop themselves spiritually by engaging in mystical symbols and rituals. I have definitely heard of the Freemasons, but that's definitely the only one. <laughs> that's probably one of the most famous secret societies, them and the Illuminati. I feel like the only time I've heard that is when people are making fun of... <laughs> of Jay-Z and Beyonce? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> It's rumored that they're part of the Illuminati, but who knows? 
I'm sure it's rumored that all kinds of things are happening. <laughs> Hell, I would want to be part of one of those secret societies. These sound super fun. No way. I mean, if it's like a secret society and we get to do all kinds of hijinks and like, all right, we're going to go kick some shopping carts or something like that. Cool. I'm down. <laughs> we're going to be a secret society and just do flash mobs. All right, sweet. I'm in. But like all this weird ass occult stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Pass. I don't want to summon no demon. Fuck that. <laughs> I personally don't believe in any of that stuff, but that is what makes it interesting for me. For sure. The Bible of the Golden Dawn was a 56-page bundle of encoded writings known as the Cipher Manuscripts. The origins and author of these manuscripts have been disputed since the 1880s when they were first discovered, but they came into possession of William Wynne Westcott, who was a Freemason and member of the Societas Rosicruciana, which was an esoteric Christian group that practiced mystical rituals. Westcott decoded the Cipher Manuscripts in 1887 and stated that they contained a set of ritual magic and occult teachings from mystical sources such as the Kabbalah, the Tarot, and alchemy. He shared his findings with William Robert Woodman, who was also a member of the Societas Rosicruciana, and Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers, who belonged to several Masonic groups. Together, the three gentlemen began putting together the backbone of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and started working the rituals, mystical teachings, and magical philosophies into their curriculum for spiritual improvement. Magical rites were combined with fortune-telling rituals like tarot card divination and astrology to allegedly allow for contact with supernatural beings and the dead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and in case you were wondering, divination is the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. Mm, hence the tarot cards and all that stuff. Okay. That's right. Being that the origins of the cipher manuscripts could never be verified, there were rumors that Westcott had forged these manuscripts himself. Westcott had initially claimed he had received the manuscripts from a fellow Mason identified as Rev. A.F.A. Woodford, who in turn claimed he received them from another Masonic scholar, Kenneth R.H. McKenzie. No relation to Spud McKenzie. <laughs> okay. Westcott in turn claimed to have found among the pages of the ciphers the address to Fräulein Anna Sprengel of Stratgard. Wow. And it spoke of her magical street cred, as well as her belonging to a well-established lineage of Rosicrucian mystics in Germany. Westcott claimed that Sprengel was noted as being wise among the stars and chief among the members of the Golden Dawn. So Westcott claimed that he contacted her and was told that Westcott, Woodman, and Mathers were to lead the British version of the order, and Sprengel herself purportedly charted the first Golden Dawn temple in England. On February 12, 1888, Westcott, Woodman, and Mathers signed pledges of fidelity to their new order, took some deep hits from their gravity bung, and became the founding members of the Golden Dawn. See, this is the part that is always a little bit shady. They find this document, and supposedly it says how they're the ones to basically start this secret society, and you're going to run it, and you shall inherit the earth. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they're the ones who found it really, oh, how coincidental. And really, like, I mean, if this 
document still exists, I'm sure it's a very easy to just throw some carbon dating on that some bitch and find out who the hell really started this. <laughs> you know? Anyway, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it makes sense if you're going to be starting a secret society and you're going to be wanting to recruit people, that you're going to want a solid backstory. So that, that way people, you know, think that there's some credibility to it. So it makes sense what they were trying to do. No evidence of the existence of Fräulein Anna Sprengel has ever been found, and many critics believe that she was also a creation of Westcott himself. I believe that. So let's take a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk about Alistair Crawley and how he became involved in the Golden Dawn. Ooh. No matter what city you go to, it's comforting to know that Big Belly Burger is always going to taste like Big Belly Burger. That's because we've never strayed away from founder Angus T. Bell's vision of delivering the best burger at the best price. Whether you're in the mood for our classic Big Belly Burger meal with your choice of the Belly Buster, Belly Bloater, or Belly Flop, with fries and orange soda, the Cheese Meister Deluxe with our signature Chocorific or Strawberry Banana Shake, the Chili Cheese Fries with Jalapenos, or the Jolly Meal for the Little Ones, you can be assured that the same care is put into your order as we did in 1988 when Angus flipped his first burger. New for this year, keep an eye out for Big Belly Burger Food Truck outside your favorite venues in Star City, Central City, Hub City, and Detroit. Big Belly Burger is a subsidiary of LexCorp, founded in Coast City, California, 1988. How was your break, Isela? I feel like this is our weekly dance break also. So we get together <laughs> via Zoom or whatever this is to record the podcast, but also to just express ourselves, as Dane would say, through the art of dance. <laughs> I'm always amazed by how you're able to do the worm with the headphones on. I don't do the worm. You're crazy. I don't I feel like people are going to really ask, can you do the worm for us? <laughs> <laughs> how was your break? It was good. You were getting down. A little bit. Yeah, you were like going to do the, I saw you doing the moonwalk. I was like, slow down. You're going to catch that carpet on fire. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most exercise that I get aside from when I leave my desk to go get something to eat from the fridge. So, <laughs> Did you join any secret societies during our break? I was looking. I would really want to join something cool, but a cool one, you know, a flash mob one or like, a, you know, something. We're going to go secretly bowling in the middle of a street at 2 a.m. because there's no cars at 2 a.m. What's cooler than a secret society that practices magic and deals in the occult? That's pretty cool. A secret society that gets together and has donuts in the middle of the night. Yes, let's do it in secret. In secret so your spouse doesn't find out. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> There's no reason why you can't have both. That's true. Fair. <laughs> so before our break, we talked a little about how the Golden Dawn was started. And before we talk about the infamous Mr. Crawley, I do want to touch a little on the teachings and structure of the Golden Dawn, as it will make Aleister Crowley's involvement a little clear. All right. The Golden Dawn was primarily interested in magical philosophy, study of symbols, and rituals developed by Westcott and the other founders to help them attain a higher level of spiritual being through natural magic. 
there was a hierarchy as well. There was an outer order that encompassed three levels of curriculum. It was pretty much the study of the four classical elements, earth, air, fire, and water. Wind, sadly, was not one of the elements. They used the tools taught in the ciphers to study these elements, and each member was tested before they were allowed to move on to the next level. There was also an inner order, which was started by Samuel Mathers, one of the three OG founding members, and was called the Ruby Rose and the Cross of Gold, which I think actually sounds really pretty. Ruby Rose and the Cross of Gold sounds like the next movie. It does, starting Ruby Rose. (laughs) Yeah, played by (laughs) Keira Knightley or something. (laughs) Mathers was the exclusive leader of the Ruby Rose, and he and his members would experiment with ritual magic to practice astral projection and scrying, which is looking into a crystal ball to foretell the future. (gasps) The inner order was a little more advanced and wasn't fucking around with tarot cards and symbols and bullshit anymore. (laughs) This was the big boy club, or husky club, as most of my childhood clothes from Kmart was labeled. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Robert Woodman, who had originally come across the cipher manuscripts and was the one who established contact with Fräulein Anna Springle in Deutschland, passed away in 1891. And mysteriously, the letters from Sprangle also stopped arriving at around that same time. Oh, see, come on. We could we <laughs> can connect those dots. <laughs> I'm just presenting the information. It's up to the listeners to decide. This is true. William Woodman, who was the third co-founder of the Golden Dawn, departed in 1896 when he was outed as a member and had threatened his job as a coroner. Mathers was left as the supreme commander, being the only founding member left. In 1898, Alistair Crawley joined the Golden Dawn. Ah, and all was changed. Who was this man, Alistair Crawley? Great question, Isela. (laughs) Yes, who? (laughs) The tabloids called him the wickedest man in the world and the master of darkness. Oh my God, that's pretty badass. He was banned from Mussolini's Italy for acts of extreme depravity. He was an occultist, ceremonial magician, drug fiend, sex addict, writer, poet, scholar, socialite. And that's all before 9 a.m., baby. Oh, wow. So he was like Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) In a way, I can see how he took a little bit of inspiration from him. Yeah, for sure. In an article titled, Meet Aleister Crawley the wickedest man in the world who horrified 20th century Britain by Katie Serena. Alistair was born Edward Alexander Crawley in 1875. He started out as a devout Christian and was entirely devoted to his religion. That all changed when his father died when he was 11 years old. At this point, he started avoiding everything that had to do with religion. In school, he started pointing out inconsistencies in the Bible, as 11-year-olds do. Sure and did everything he could to defy Christian morals by smoking, masturbating, and having sex with prostitutes. Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) He was really trying to break all the rules, okay. (laughs) His mother started calling him the Beast due to his behavior, a title he would later adopt. But before adopting that name, he changed his name to Alistair in 1895 when he was 20 years old. He wasn't a fan of the name Edward, since that was the name his mother called him, 
and he thought Alexander was too long. He thought Alistair was the most favorable name for him to become famous as it met the criteria of a book he was reading and it would satisfy his romantic ideals. Maybe he was onto something as we're talking about him over a hundred years later. Yeah, for sure. He enrolled in Cambridge University, where by day he practiced chess and wrote poetry and literature, but by night he led a secret life of dominating magic, sadistic sexual relationships with both men and women, and dove deeper into the occult. After he was done with college, he considered a career as a diplomat, but after a scare with a brief illness, he thought that was pointless and decided to write occult literature and erotic poetry instead. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. You know how people say whenever they're faced with like some type of life or death situation that they really reevaluate what their whole life situation is also? And they're like, fuck that. I don't want to do this anymore. I honestly think that's why we're living in that great resignation era right now. And this is probably why he was like, forget this. I'm going to do something I really love to do, which is writing, <laughs> writing all this weird stuff. <laughs> well, weird to me, for sure. <laughs> What's weird about occult literature and erotic poetry? <laughs> I mean, nothing if you like that kind of stuff. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> all joking aside, I do think you're right. I think once you go through a scare like that, you do reevaluate where your priorities are in life and you decide usually to follow your heart and do something that makes you happy as opposed to doing something that's expected of you or just something to make money. Right. So I think if he used to do that stuff on the side, you know, kind of like his side hustle type thing, and he was like, forget it, I'm going to live for me and, you know, come out of the shadows, out of the closet, you know, so to speak. There he goes. That's That's probably... What happened? Wow, that's wild. Well, we haven't even gotten to the wild part yet. Oh my God, this is exciting. <laughs> We're barely leading up to it, girl. We're building on the suspense. All right. In 1898, Crawley met a chemist named Julian Baker, who was a member of the Golden Dawn. So our story comes full circle to him joining the Golden Dawn. Upon entering, Crawley hired a senior member of the group to be his live-in personal tutor and together, Crawley and his tutor experimented with ceremonial magic and ritualistic use of drugs. Crawley progressed through the Outer Order rapidly and became close friends with Mathers, the Golden Dawn Supreme Commander. Mathers tried bringing Crawley into the Inner Order that same year, but the other members of the group were suspicious of Crawley and refused to allow him into the Ruby Rose. Mathers decided to induct him anyway in 1900, and this decision cost Mathers his position as the leader of the Golden Dawn and caused a revolt within the order that led to infighting and later their dissolution. Years later, Crowley undermined the Golden Dawn by exposing all their secrets in his magazine named Equinox. Oh, shoot. Airing all that dirty laundry. That's right. Mathers ended up founding a new group called Alpha and Omega, and Alistair formed his own group named Thelema, which he called the successor to the Golden Dawn. In 1920, Alistair had moved to Sicily, Italy, where he established the Abbey of Thelema. He and his followers continued experimenting with sex, drugs, and magical rituals. It was during one of these rituals in 1923 that an Englishman died after he allegedly consumed the blood of a cat. Oh my God, that's gross. <laughs> oh my God. This was when Mussolini's government banned him from Italy 
and the Abbey of Thelema headquarters was forced to close and the group disbanded. How much of a smaller population would the U.S. be if we kicked out everybody that forced or drank some other weird-ass goat blood or, you know, just blood, period. What am I saying? Some other, just some weird-ass blood. Like, that would, that's kind of a cool rule. Like, if you're drinking blood you're pro- and you're not like an actual bat vampire, there's something mm-hmm. wrong with you, probably. <laughs> well, see, the difference is that Aleister Crowley was not a citizen of Italy. So that's the reason why he got banned from the country. Technically, nobody from the U.S., aside from the Native Americans are, or the indigenous people are, are native to the U.S. So, I mean, where are you going to kick people back to? Yeah, that's just, this is very true. Good point. Crowley was known for and wrote extensively about sex magic, which is the belief that sexual arousal and orgasm created a sexual energy that could be used to go beyond one's normally perceived reality. So I initially thought that searching for this would take me to some dark places on the web, but there were actually just a lot of scholarly books and papers written about it. Most of it was behind paywalls or I had to purchase books, so I couldn't really find as much as you would imagine easily about this. But allegedly, even though he wrote at length about this, many rituals were secret and only taught to those in his inner circle. Aside from Aleister Crawley, what other notable people were part of the Golden Dawn? I'm glad you asked, Isela. I'm very curious. <laughs> in the middle of the 1890s, there were hundreds of members, but the most notable key figures of their time, and I apologize if I mess some of these names up, but none of them were instantly recognizable to me, but the sources I used claimed they were all key figures of Victorian society. All right. There was poet W.B. Yeats, fantasy horror writer, author Matchen, actress Florence Farr, Irish revolutionary Maud Gahn, and A.E. Waite, who was the co-creator of the modern tarot cards as we know today. Oh, wow. Oh, well, I guess that would make sense if they were the ones to dabble in it. Yeah. One thing that was notable about the Golden Dawn was that they admitted women as members. Other secret societies, such as the Freemasons, didn't. And they still don't allow women to this day. Wow, that's not progressive at all. But okay, I don't, I don't know anything about the Freemasons. But the this one that we're talking about would make sense that women would be allowed because they're practicing sex magic. They're practicing sex magic. Yeah, it wasn't homosexual sex magic. You know that makes sense. They need the women for that part. Very true. There were apparently like three types of sexual magic. One of them was masturbation. And then there was heterosexual magic. And then there was anal penetration magic. Oh, so maybe there was. It didn't specify if it was male or female, but it was pretty well known that Aleister Crowley was bisexual. Oh, that's so... Okay. Well, then that's... Yeah. Okay. I'm glad to hear that there was no animals involved, at least in this juncture of the sex magic. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) No, they only drank cat blood, apparently. Oh my goodness, that's... I know sometimes... I'm sure the cat consented. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. Also, side note, did you think of the Red Hot Chili Peppers song? Blood Sugar Sex Magic? Yes. I was like, I really want to listen to some Red Hot Chili Peppers right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, I did keep on thinking that the or at least the album i don't did they have a song called blood sugar sex magic yeah it's like blood sugar baby sex magic a sex magic a sick yeah it was really good <laughs> anyway 
<laughs> Sorry, if I subjected you to that, I, yeah, you guys can email me and I will apologize uh, individually. <laughs> On the contrary, no, please sing some more, Isela. Cállate. Okay, go ahead next. <laughs> So as I was saying, other secret societies such as the Freemasons didn't, and they still don't allow women to this day. It was around this time that Mathers allegedly received instructions from secret chiefs for a third level of learning, one that involved alchemy and spiritual sexuality. So Crowley could have drawn inspiration for his sex magic from this, as he was a member around the time, but the source I was using didn't actually call it sex magic. Interesting. If it walks like a duck, it's probably sex magic. Most people that walk like ducks practice sex magic. <laughs> That's all what I meant. <laughs> That's the takeaway of this podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> Even though the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn disbanded, it did inspire the formation of other secret societies. Mathers formed Alpha and Omega. Crowley formed the Lima. But none were as successful or influential although it did inspire other groups that are still around today. Oh my goodness, that's scary. It is said that they inspired the Wiccan religion, as well as other strands of paganism. It is even said that Scientology was influenced by the Golden Dawn. There is a version of the Golden Dawn that has reformed and still exists today. Not sure how tied they are to the uh, OG Golden Dawn. Well, I'm sure it's new and improved, right? It's like Golden Dawn 2.0. Can't improve on a classic, girl. It's like Coke. <laughs> Got Coke Classic and it's still the best. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Now, sadly, Aleister Crawley died at the age of 72 on December 1st, 1947. His funeral was referred to as the Black Mass and was only attended by a small group of his closest friends and associates. His legacy has continued to live on. He was on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, do What Thou Wilt, which was Crowley's motto, was on the Led Zeppelin III vinyl. Oh my goodness. It's all over the place. In fact, Jimmy Page was so fascinated by Crowley that he would collect his books and memorabilia and even purchase the house once owned by Crowley. He was referenced in the lyrics to Quicksand by David Bowie. Ozzy Osbourne paid tribute to him in the song Mr. Crowley, and he's a character in the brilliant DC TV show Pennyworth now streaming on HBO Max, not a sponsored ad. <laughs> exactly. I was like, wow, that sounds very much like an ad. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't believe it's it's in so many references. Yeah, and those are probably just the most popular ones. This guy was so out there, too. That's, um, I mean, but I think people tend to be fascinated with others that have a lot of power and that can really basically get a following. And I mean, it's the same reason why we were all intrigued on like the Jonestown cult and this Nexium. I know we just recently talked about him too. And I mean, we're fascinated. Heaven's Gate, that one's crazy too. Like how these, this one guy, usually it's a guy and they get all these people behind them in one way, I guess it could be called powerful. Yeah. He was pretty much the OG influencer. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have to say, I'm really surprised that he died at the age of 74, especially in 47. That's actually a pretty long life. Yeah, it was actually 72. But had he died sooner, he wouldn't be a character in Pennyworth. Oh, <laughs> There's a Depeche Mode song called Black Celebration. I know you said it was 
called a black mass, but it was um, black celebration is a good song in case you guys haven't heard it. <laughs> so before we bid our super friends adieu, we got a message on Facebook from Jack K. Would you like me to read it to you? Definitely. Let's hear it. He writes, hello, all. I don't just want empty entertainment. I want to learn at the same time. A good host can be engaging and interesting and teach and inform you at the same time. You both are rocking, Jose and Isela. I would recommend to all, listen to Technology Conversation podcast. Such a refreshment, learning, and laughing. Enjoying every morning on my cycling. Love you both, Jack. That's so nice. Thank you so much, Jack. Yeah, and we love you too, Jack. Thank you for your kind words. Special shout out to you. You are our super friend of the week. Also, I do need to do a quick shout out to Big Brain Brex because he used that very awesome insult, nameless rascals. What? Yes, bringing <laughs> it back, guys. <laughs> One of the queens, Elena, also reached out and stated that she agreed with you that heifer was pronounced heifer. I wrote back and let her know that is probably correct since I know nothing about cattle. <laughs> I don't really know a lot about cattle either. Aside from it tasting good. Well, I do remember steak was my weakness. But yeah, I only know that sadly mostly because of the insult, right? Like, oh, that damn heifer. Like I've heard people say that a lot. <laughs> so that's the only reason really why I knew. And I have to say I felt bad like correcting you because I was like, yeah, I don't want to come across like a like a jerk. We all enjoy being corrected, Isela. Yeah, absolutely. This is my favorite pastime because I do make a ton of mistakes. <laughs> And on that high note, we hope that you enjoy the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC, email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us. End the world.